Hi friends, and welcome to season two of the Cosmic Chats with Debbie Sugarbaker podcast. I am Debbie, your host, and the creator of what I believe is a sacred space in which I have conversations with individuals from all sectors who are dedicated to elevating consciousness around different aspects of life. With a background in ghostwriting and editing books, content development, and medical journalism, as well as many other side jobs, and several years experience working for the international nonprofit called the Kabbalah Center, I bring you enlightening conversations with people whose work, knowledge, energy, and insight have helped me open my mind and perspective, alchemize perceived negative situations, live in a healthier body, and experience the world in a deeper, more wondrous way on a daily basis. I also desire to share energy and wisdom that I received from my spiritual teacher, Karen Berg, who was the founder and spiritual director of the Kabbalah Center until her passing in 2020. My aim is that you, the listener, are able to receive what you need to create new possibilities and find greater levels of expansion in your health, relationships, and business. It is my honor to connect with you and be a part of your process. I believe that we are here to support each other on our earthly journey, and I also believe that life's challenges are most effectively tackled from the inside out. Each episode of my show presents another way to do that. Thank you so much for listening, for supporting, and for being with me. I hope you enjoy. Hi, everyone. Today, we're going to be tapping into our families and healing. I'm joined by Daniel Naor, who is a Kabbalah instructor at the Kabbalah Center Los Angeles. Kabbalah is an ancient spiritual wisdom that connects us with uh, technology or tools that we can help to elevate our souls and connect to the divine intelligence, the creator that exists in a nutshell. But Daniel is a Kabbalah instructor and he is also an energy healer and he practices something called tikkun healing, which we're going to hear more about today. So thank you so much, Daniel, for joining me. How are you? I am good. Good to be with you here. How are you? So nice to be with you too on this beautiful day. Daniel, do you want to introduce yourself a little bit more? or? Yeah, sure. Thank you. Honored to be here uh, and to share with you. So my spiritual journey started fairly young, was introduced to various spiritual systems through my mother and then later in my teen years to the major path that I'm still involved in, which is Kabbalah. Your, if you don't mind me asking, I'm just curious, what was your mother interested in? What did your mother bring you to? Well, from age eight or nine, energy and crystals, and I started collecting. And then like also the same age around that, like with angels and like a- anything, you know, spiritual that is out there, you name it, she did it, you know? <laughs> <laughs> But eventually our entire family, so my mom, my dad found the Kabbalah Center. We were living, I was born in Israel, but I grew up in Germany. So the closest center by was Paris at that time. So we used to drive up there. My whole family got involved, completely changed their life. And I was really the last one to join in the whole family. I was just intrigued by the change that I've seen in my family, like my parents changed, my sibling, my dad started to be more present and happier. And like, okay, wow. something that they're doing is, is worry. I don't know what it is. So I just decided to come with them. I wasn't studying at this point. And my introduction, really, my, my hook to Kabbalah and the Kabbalah Center was 
purely energetic. I walked into the doors. I felt something that I never felt before, an energy, a home, like felt just so good and so like coming back home. And the second time around when I came, came to, a, to a spiritual connection at the center and my life completely changed afterwards. Like my parents didn't recognize me. It was a very shy, introverted. How old uh, were you? That time I was 17, 18. And after that event, I started to speak and no filters. And like, I got so passionate that actually we started to, to be the ambassadors to bring Kabbalah to where we lived in Germany at that time. So, and then of course I started to study and read books. And at that time there were only tapes available or learn from tapes and books. And, but I immediately got hooked. It was like just immediate soul connection. And I knew this is, this is my path and my purpose. Yeah. Wow. So powerful. Yeah that you got that at such a young age and also that it just hit you so strongly. But something that I do know about you because I've heard you speak before is that you're very empathic. Seeing how you can just walk in and you can feel the energy of a place or, you know, touch something that you, you haven't maybe touched before. And it's a part of our own soul, I believe, I think. You know, like when I came to the center, I could relate to that. It gave me access to a certain part of my own soul that I hadn't, hadn't touched before. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, so... I know you're also a healer of kinds and you're working with people to reprogram belief systems and energies and things related to, you know, experiences that we may have had in this lifetime that are still affecting us or creating filters. So can you talk a little bit more about that? And it's, it's really called tikkun healing. That's what you call it, right? Correct. Correct. So tikkun healing, first of all, those that don't know what tikkun is, it's a Kabbalistic term that means correction and Kabbalists explain in simple terms, of course, it's deeper than that, but in simple terms, our soul before coming to this chose certain life lessons to learn and certain things to, to, to transform. So tikkun can be anything varies from patterns, negative repetitive patterns, from anger to laziness to you name it, right? Things and, or learning how, learning how to be patient, learning how to be sensitive to others. Certain lessons we can Or maybe learn. like you get into a relationship and you find yourself feeling the same way as you did in your last relationship, like in the same energetic state or feeling space. And you're like, wait a second, it's a different person, different time, different story. Why do I feel the same inside, right? Correct. Exactly. A tikkun is, is a tikkun because we didn't manage to correct it in previous lifetime and this lifetime. So it keeps on coming back until the lesson is learned. Right? right. So like you said, like it may be a different person, but the same button is being pushed and the same thing being triggered until right. I learned the lesson. Repetitive patterns, right? Tikkuniling is a is a is a one-on-one session that I do. I'm very passionate about helping people identifying their limiting beliefs mm-hmm. and to change the story around that. Right. Because at the end of the day, it's really just uh, a story and we have the power to change it. So we're addressing tikkun, we're going deeper on a soul level. But we also want to make it practical. And what I do in a session is relate the tikkun, which is our soul's purpose, really, to certain events that happens to us in our through certain experiences. Because there are certain experiences, and that's why we going many times into childhood, because we know that a lot of the beliefs that get stored in our subconscious form in the first seven years. So anything that happens at this time is a major influence. Because most of the decisions that we make is not conscious. It's, it's all subconsciously driven. And, and if it's stored in the subconscious and there's certain beliefs, which are really just 
certain stories that we believe in. They don't necessarily have to do anything with the truth. It's just something that we adopted, something right. that we experience, and certain beliefs that we adopted most of the time out of protection, most, right. of, most of the time to protect ourselves from something. So to give you an example, just to make it practical and tangible, I'll give you maybe one or two examples that I come across very often. Something happened, it can be childhood or not, that made me feel less than, made me feel hurt, made me feel not safe, right? So what is the story? So that, that's a feeling. By the way, those feelings, and a big part in the session is we want to define the feelings, the emotion, and the time that it happened too, because that's the moment when, when it happened, and we don't even realize how many times these experiences created a certain reality for us. And they get stored on many levels, on a soul level, on a subconscious level, on a cellular level, right? Emotions, we're emotionally wired and driven people. So change oftentimes and never happens just purely on an intellectual level. It happens when we get in tuned and aligned with our emotions, right? And how we process them. So when certain things happen to us, so go back to the example, um, I was hurt. I felt I don't matter. I felt um, not safe. So what's the story that I told myself? What did I have to do and who did I need to be? in order to feel safe, right? So there's different ways to adapt and to compensate. Some people go the route of overachieving, right? So when I overachieve, I feel safe and nobody can tell me anything because, you know, I'm, I'm an overachiever and better than you. So, you know, that makes me feel safe. And right. some people go the other route, right? Hiding, um, not trying not to be exposed, trying to, right? So... There's all kinds of stories that, that, that we create and beliefs that we have adapted to protect us, protect us from hurt, protect us from not feeling good enough or safe. So powerful. I was talking with somebody about this the other day. If you had certain experiences, maybe a betrayal or something in a, in a relationship, and then you basically find yourself keeping people at arm's length because you're so afraid, it's part of the protective it, it, there's like kind of like a good motive behind it to keep you from being protected from that hurt again, but only until we address that hurt, that initial hurt and realize, you know, and take a higher consciousness about it, right? Then that's how we find the healing. Absolutely. Absolutely. These wounds and hurts need to be addressed and seen. I would say 50% of the job already, just acknowledging and, and seeing it. Because in, in Kabbalah, we also learned that we don't try to fix or remove anything. Right. The biggest thing that we need for a real breakthrough and a change is actually more, only more clarity. Right. And so what I try to do in this session is, is to, to allow people to see what's the lie, because it's a lie, right? These beliefs, they served you at some point. Right. When we say beliefs, like, for example, in this situation, you might form a belief then that all men are, you know, cheaters or People always hurt me. I'm not allowed to be myself because every time I tried in the past to be myself, I was ridiculed or I was hurt or I was put, you know, made feel guilty or ashamed, right? So I learned to adapt. I learned to protect myself by not that I'm not allowed to be myself. And there's a hurt associated with being myself. Right. So that's where the protective wall. So there's like this belief system and underneath the belief system, there's some energy or pain or hurt. That right. needs to be acknowledged, right? Exactly, exactly. 
And to see that, okay, it did serve me in the past. And I chose that out of love. And I did so because that's so, so everything needs to be honored and respected. Another thing that makes change very difficult when I force it, when I'm harsh with myself, oh, when we label things as good or bad, even the belief that, yeah, it's a limiting belief and it's not serving me at this point, but I wouldn't call it bad. And right. it's another thing that we learn in Kabbalah that there is no such thing as really good and bad. Everything has a purpose. So I need to honor that time. There's a reason it's part of my tikkun. I needed that process. And we're people of choice. So right now, as I have more clarity of how it did serve me and how it is actually not true, it's a lie that got repeated like a program over and over and over. So I just adopted that program, but it's a false identity that it formed, right? Because it's not just a belief the thing is that we form our identity around that. So now it takes up more space and more energy. Like I, I am that person. I am shy. I am, you know, I'm, I'm not good with whatever we tell us. I'm not good with people. It becomes an identity, right? Or my identity, I'm an overachiever or I just don't know how to rest or take a break or whatever it is, right? And a lot of times those are connected also with beliefs maybe that we came from our parents, you know, not taking a rest. I know a lot of my friends and, you know, they've been going through that, like with one generation and it's great to have like a really good work ethic, but you also need to know how to take care of ourselves. Right. And, you know, put ourselves first. And, but then when you, when you clash with the belief systems that you gained from your family, because when you were a child, your survival depended on that. So when you bump up against it with something new, it can feel almost like you're doing something wrong. Yeah. Because we, we always want to feel like belonging. It's a big human need. And also on a soul level, we want to feel belong and lo- stay loyal to our family. So right. if there are certain values that, that our family had, like certain work ethic, just had another session with someone recently about it, that, you know, that was part of the family. You know, in our family, everybody's a doctor. In our family, you know, we're working, everybody's going to Howard. Everybody, you know, so out of love and belonging and loyalty, I want that too. So, but it might not be part of my soul essence and my true identity. So to, to separate myself from that, it takes actually a lot of courage and a lot of clarity. And bravery. And clarity to know who I really am. What's my true identity? Right. So the first step is to separate ourselves from, from the lie and see how it served us. So it's not right. bad right, to do it with, with a lot of honor and appreciation. Oftentimes guide people through a visualization or meditation where they can see those beliefs, but they look at it with, with, with appreciation and love. Because it's right. a lot easier to change from a place of appreciation and love versus judgment and, 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 and disgust, right? My family has this amazing work ethic because they came from wherever, made this courageous go. decision, and they were kind of in a survival mode. And wow, like so much appreciation for it. But I might not need to have that in this lifetime, or maybe there are aspects that I want to let go and take things that are more in alignment with my own, you know, cosmic blueprint for my soul and my journey and my purpose here and now, right? Exactly. And, and there's always something good to take from it. Right. So every limiting belief has something good that it taught me. So it's not, it's never all bad. So I got to work it. Okay, great. Now I can balance right. it out, right? Now I can exactly. know how to work hard, but I know it doesn't define me or I don't need to work until a burnout. Right. Exactly. To prove something, to compensate for a certain inner lack or a void or an insecurity or not feeling good enough. I feel worthy of being here or something. Like yeah. That. 
Well, I think this is actually a great segue to the next question, which is considering the family system. I had a session with Danielle, a Takoon healing session. I realized that beliefs that I had, perhaps it's not just me alone, that we do grow up and we are social beings and we grow up in a family unit. And sometimes we get belief systems or energy patterns that are part of the family. We're not just like these lone, as much as we need to come into our own essence and be who we need to be in this lifetime, we do have those connections. So maybe you can just explain a little bit more about how the family and those energetics play into our own healing process. I just wanted to briefly interrupt this episode to remind you that you can find all of my cosmic chats with video on my IGTV handle at Debbie Sugarby. That's at D-E-B-B-I-E-S-U-G-A-R-B. There, you can also find a link in my bio to support my work or to sign up for a one-on-one Theta Healing session with me. Thank you so much, and I hope that you enjoy the rest of this episode. Yeah, it's, it's, it's very important. It adds another dimension, another layer to it, which it's considering the greater whole. Right? I think we live in a time where there's a lot of emphasis put on individuality and being ourselves and being authentic. And I think sometimes what we fail to see is that we don't have that much free will, actually. There's a lot of things that we're influenced by that without taking those things into consideration, it will make up. Even if we're on a spiritual journey and we're working ourselves and we're studying and we're meditating without we call it the systemic approach. Like how, what is my role, my place in the system? And there are many different systems, right? I mean, as, even as a humanity, there's a system. We are one soul. We, we know that intellectually that we are all one and all interconnected with all humanity. But right. that is not so practical when it comes to our personal transformation because this is too vast. This is too big. Right. But what is another system that is more directly related to us and it's more tangible and, and we can work with it is the family system. And this is the saying, and I love this, this, we are all children of the creator, but we're all born into a family. Right. And sometimes I feel like sometimes certain group of people can be, or there's a danger of being in denial where people embark on a spiritual journey and they're trying to connect to higher realms and want to connect to the creator, but really completely neglecting the work that is right in front of them, which one of the, and that's the beautiful thing. That's why I love this work with, with family, because one of the direct ways and secure ways that you can find what is your tikkun actually and how your tikkun comes up. Your, your soul's correction, what you came to do here when you say. Exactly. It is through our family. Because that's the one thing that we didn't have a choice about, right? That was like chosen for us or we chose before coming to this world. So we will always find that our biggest life lessons and things that we came to overcome and lessons to learn will oftentimes be found in, with our family. In the moments where they push your buttons, right? That's yes, those sometimes. type of things on a, on a simple level and on a, on a deeper level, a little bit more complex level is or let's put it this way, on an, on an unconscious level. There's a lot of things that are personally relevant for us, but we think it's our thing personally, and I need to deal with it by myself, whereby the true root cause of that, it didn't start with me. And right. many times the things that we are holding right. 
call it limiting beliefs, call it certain energies, call it certain emotions, sometimes even certain desires, right? We call it, they're not, they didn't start with me and they actually don't belong to me. Right. So if I hold something that doesn't even belong to me, one of the only ways to really put it into place, to, to let it go or to get rid of it, right, is to know where it came from because then I can leave it there. And that's what, what the systemic approach does. It gives us a, a bird eye view. Mm -hmm. And it's not just considering the individual, but it's considering the entire system and understanding where things came from, from our parents, grandparents, ancestors. And there's some beautiful ways to, to discover it. And it's really eye-opening. And that's all it takes. Sometimes all it takes is seeing where certain issue that I thought was mine, seeing right. where it came from. Right. And going through a little spiritual process or visualization or sentences that we use that we can really energetically really leave it there. And the proof is in the pudding. People either feel the results or they don't. And, right. and in, if they feel the change, the difference, they feel, which is usually feeling more whole, feeling more complete, feeling more at peace, right. then you know it worked. And talking <clears throat> about the, the family system and working with things that might not be yours, I know that we did a healing session and... I healed some things and made some peace with some things with my father, who's actually not even alive any, anymore. So maybe you can just address that through the work that you do. You can connect with souls that are not even in the physical world anymore so that the, you, the individual, can find you know the peace that you need to move forward, correct? Yes, absolutely. So it takes one person in the family to affect change in the entire system. And you said correctly, it, it doesn't even matter if they're alive or not, if they're there or not. The Zohar says something interesting. The ancient text of Kabbalah 2,000 years ago says that the, the dead are more alive than the living many times. So what does it mean it affects on so many different levels is because we're touching upon, we need to understand that the, the family system has its own conscious. It has its own conscious. And it would look, if something happens in the family, let's say a certain trauma, Mm -hmm. It will travel along and will be passed on to other family members that are unconsciously taking it on until the family conscious feels, okay, balance has been reestablished. So it can happen when certain families members have been excluded or certain trauma or when there was an imbalance and give and take, someone gained on someone else's loss. All these things, the family conscious, the family energy field will look for balance. So. When I step in as a person, I start to become aware of the dynamic because it's all in our consciousness and that's how we affect everything because it is energy and we're all interconnected. The way That's one of the basic tenets of Kabbalah, correct? Yeah. That's on the, on the higher scale, on the mm -hmm. bigger scale. As humanity, we're all one and interconnected and every action affects everyone else in the world. Right. And today with quantum, you know, and, and science development, we can understand that better. It makes more sense. The Zohar talked about it 2000 years ago. But on a smaller scale, which is more relatable to us, is the same thing with the family system. So we might think, so what if someone died early, like in my family? So what if my uncle committed suicide? My grandmother had another lover. So my great-grandparents were in the war. So what? We don't understand. Or even migration, moving from one place to another. There's a big loss there. There's, there's a lot of things that can happen in the family field, in the family history, that can have a huge impact on me without me even knowing that. 
Wow. So raising the awareness and seeing how things are connected can help restore the balance. And because it's on an energetic level, on a soul level, like you said, it doesn't matter whether the people are present, whether they're alive or not, it's still impacting us on a soul level. What I was going to ask you was, if you said we don't have choice on our family or our parents but maybe we chose before coming here. Do you know, like, what does Kabbalah say about that? Yes. So both are right, right? We, Kabbalistically, we do choose our parents or we agree to the parents that are given to us because there's a certain soul contract that right. our soul agrees to before coming to this world and it's all based on our tikkun. So let's give an example. If my tikkun is, uh, is related to abandonment, Let's say a soul chose that, Tikkun, said, I want to learn the lesson on how to overcome the fear of abandonment. And I want to be, feel free like that and not having that fear of abandonment. I want to learn that lesson to be happy and good with myself, to be happy being alone, to be happy with who I am and be authentic in that way and not fear to be rejected or abandoned. Okay. So based on that, before the soul comes down to this world, everything is chosen geared towards helping that soul learn that lesson. So the soul looks down and said, okay, which parents will help me best with that tikkun? These, these couple, these two people, well, you know, homestaying mom, I'll get a lot of attention. You know, dad is very, I'll get so much attention there. Uh, it's great, but it's not going to help me learn that lesson, right? right. So the soul picks another parent and said, oh, this couple, yeah. Uh, they live in New York, busy life, 24-7, you know, I'll be with a nanny that I don't like and I'll have that, all these things will be triggered. Great opportunity, great opportunity to learn the lesson of not being afraid of, of abandonment, right? So the soul agrees to that plan, so to speak. It's so powerful that you're saying this because even in our lives now to have that higher perspective when we're facing a difficulty, like sometimes our challenges feel like, you know, like you just want to like or however you react. But when you have this consciousness of, wow, like you're, it sounds like you're almost excited about it. Like yeah. this is my opportunity to alter the destiny of my soul, right? Yeah. And listen, it's still challenging, right? Even if we have that in mind, once our soul comes down to this world, we're subject to the laws of physicality and body consciousness and heaviness and ego and selfishness. And so it will be challenging, right? Because we forget immediately once we come into this world, we forget what our tikkun is and what we sign up for. But it certainly helps to be reminded of that and have that bigger perspective. That's for sure. Yeah, that's yeah. definitely like what changed for me when I got into Kabbalah and Kabbalah specifically was that it really gave me such a bigger picture so that things that I used to like just totally shut down to or react from, now I really could like take a different route and it wasn't because I, I had a bigger picture I said oh this is my a challenge that my soul kind of is going through in order to, to learn a lesson and if there were a lesson for me here to learn what would it be and then kind of go from there it's interesting another another thing that came to mind when you were speaking I just like saw when I was younger I used to do archaeology and we brought in like all these pieces of these ancient um, of ancient pots, coins, you know, from these different civilizations that were layered. And we would dig them all up, sift through them, and then pour them all out on a table. And then you look at each one, and then each one needs to be cleaned. And it just kind of reminded me when you were saying, like, you're kind of looking at things in ourselves or energies that might be around, you know, with the family, like, okay, so where did this one come from? Because maybe this one doesn't belong 
with, with my pot. Maybe it needs to go somewhere else, but just having that patience to like sift through and really get curious, I guess, about who we are and why we do what we do. Yeah. Yeah. And I can tell you personally, when, when I started to do this work on myself, I started to notice things, incredible things. You know, for me, it was related with my grandfather, who was a Holocaust survivor, and things that were that I carried with me for a long time, which part of it was like guilt and, and guilt of having, and just yeah. to see the connection of, oh my God, is actually connected to survivor's guilt of my grandfather. And it wasn't an intellectual realization. It wasn't like a lecture and trying to understand it. It was really an experience and a knowing that what I thought was mine really is not actually mine. Right. And it's, it's a real big awakening moment. And then you can consciously leave it there because in the modality called family conservation, they call it entanglements, that you actually try to solve or carry something out of love for another family member for the greater good for the family system. Right. But the thing is that, you cannot take on someone else's destiny. It belongs to them. And that's part of their dignity. So it's called sort of like blind love, that out of love, we're trying to solve things for our parents. And there's so many different examples, right? But let's say as a child, you know, I grew up in early days, my parents were always fighting and, and threat of divorce was thrown around. And then eventually they got divorced. And it's not unlikely that at times, possibly, the child can take on that role, that, that heaviness, that guilt that I need to keep my parents together. So they start to feel responsible for the parents and they're switching the role of who is the parent and who is the child. And even these notions, it creates a big disruption in the, in the family system because everyone has their place and everyone has their role to play. So when there is this notion, this movement towards trying to help my parents in that way, which is unsolvable for me. A child cannot do that, right? Right. But we don't realize that these things can carry on. And I take this heaviness with me into life and into future relationships. It might be like over-functioning, taking responsibility for things that it's not mine to take responsibility for. Yeah. When you were saying that, I was reminded, I actually heard a healer once and he gave an example of like this woman and she went to stay with her mother and then her mother was like being a mother and trying to clean the room and she was getting so frustrated. And then he said he had always kind of taken care of her mother. They've been more like friends or the relationship was like a different dynamic. But what you're saying is important to allow our family members to be who they are. Okay, that's my brother and we have like a proper brother sister relationship or that's my mother and so the, the mother can do things like that for that woman and that, yeah. that time as it was appropriate because she's the mother so just the idea of having this clarity about the the relationships and who's who this time around because who is I think who? It's, exactly. it's sensitive souls we're like oh oh i did a past life regression i was my father's mother and blah, but in this lifetime here and now that's my mm -hmm. father you know and so let's have a great relationship where we are now Right. Yes. The main thing here is to, like you said, to know where we belong in the system. Right. And then the second thing is, and, and this is deep and subtle work and, and it can take a while, but, but because we're not trying, remember, we're not trying to change or to solve or to fix, but really change happens or good outcomes. We can see most of the time good outcomes when we know where everyone belongs and then that everyone is honored. 
So we don't need to love everybody and be best friends with everybody. Maybe my parents did terrible things to me, right? So yeah, limiting beliefs, there's stories around that. But beyond story, to see our parents as the fact is they gave me life. So let's look at the facts. Let's look at they came before me and without them, I wouldn't be here. So, you know, this simple little fact is oftentimes neglected. Yeah, but they did this for me and I didn't get their attention. I didn't. Wait a second. Let's take a step back right there. They are your parents and they will stay your parents forever. And Kabbalistically, we, we learn more than that, that there's a, they represent a spiritual cord and a spiritual connection, meaning the Kabbalist calls it chiyut, the life force wow. is flowing from them to me. So whatever story I'm telling myself, and rightfully so, if I hold any blockages there, judgment, anger, resentment, for all the right reasons, it will block me because they're a part of me. I have part of them inside of me. It means that part of me will be fighting me and I'll be restless. So another very important part of this work is that everybody is put in the rightful position and has a right to belong. And also that I can take them as they are right. and just honor them. Not for them, but really for me to live a good life and to continue and walking into and manifesting and living, fully living. This is a very, very helpful piece in that. Wow. So powerful. I know that you are doing healing sessions for people and working in people's energies and, you know, within these family dynamics. Is there any practices that you have to kind of like keep your your energy and your aura on a certain level or clear or? Yeah, this is a very good question. I get that often asked. And then and for all, you know, the people that are sensitive and empaths, there are many tools that I use. I can share some of them with you. But before the tools, I think one of the main things and useful and practical too, that I try to live by, I'm not always successful in it, I must say, but I noticed that in sessions or when we're with people, you know, we're all in some way or another working with people and having relationships, right? So, and we all feel energy. So we all always take on something, right? It's impossible not to take on anything, but we can protect ourselves. There's a certain consciousness and a certain understanding that can help us just by that can help us be less influenced and, and take on less energies that don't serve us or don't belong to, with us, which is to really ask ourselves where we're coming from when we are, especially when we're working with someone or trying to help someone. And I find that whenever I am too invested and whenever I am too involved, what does it mean too invested, too involved? Meaning I, I become less of, a, of just a channel, but, but I put in my needs and my, I want to help that person. It's interesting because just gave a class about it yesterday, the art of helping. When I want to help someone, right? And it becomes like this eagerness. Oh, I have to help them. Oh, I know what they need to do. And I need to solve this problem for them. Then I start to overstep a boundary where I start to interfere in their process. Because one of the major spiritual laws is that there's no coercion in spirituality. And I cannot get too involved in someone else's process. They have free will and I need to honor their free will. Right. So sometimes for all the good reasons and from a good intention, a good heart, I'm trying too hard to help the other person. And, and notice, just having that awareness, notice when that kicks in for you. And then you're taking on many times too much because you become too involved. Right. 
And so the, the other perspective is taking a step back. So the more we take a step back and the more we, we kind of just in this epicenter of empty space and, and communicating with the creator and asking the creator, what does this person need? And, and, and fill ourselves more with energy of appreciation that I'm allowed to be of service of someone. And, and to know that I don't have the answer. I don't know what to do. I don't know what the other person, like being more in this empty space, like a blank page, like uh, my teacher, Karen Burke would always say, you know, when you really want, when you come to a meeting, you want to help people come as a, as a blank page, blank page, let the creator fill in the blanks, like no agenda. No, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. God, you brought this person into my life. Show me, right? right. And that's resonating with that energy. I feel like the more I do that after sessions, I, I, I don't feel heavy. I don't feel like I took on a lot from them. It, it feels lighter. That's one thing. And of course, there are many Kabbalistic tools that I use to clean, you know, spiritual purification and cleansing. The Kabbalist says that water is a very powerful tool. So there's a Kabbalistic tool called Mikveh, which is an immersion in, in water, in a pool of water. Right. Ocean, exactly. There's a natural Mikveh where... There are different Kabbalistic meditation, but even simply the consciousness of immersing myself in water and water has consciousness and I can talk to the water and say, please take anything away from me that, that, that doesn't serve me and you know, that doesn't belong to me. Or talking to the creator of like really going back to that embryonic state while we're under the water. And when we come up, Kabbalist said it's like we're being reborn. So it's a, it's a very powerful tool, for instance, and, and many other ones, but I don't want to uh, overwhelm our listeners. My next question is sometimes you're doing healing work on yourself and we're talking about our families and maybe there's somebody in our family who's not doing that type of work. Does our work affect our families and how does that work? I know for me, 100%. for many years, I was like doing certain spiritual work, but my family was, they were, everyone does their own thing, you know, so it doesn't have to be the same. It'll affect each other, right? Absolutely. And I can just tell you a few from examples for people that I worked with and, and how amazed I was and, and how it's all connected and how it works. So I worked with a woman a few months ago uh, without getting too specific or too many details, but, but big trauma and abuse with her dad. And uh, so from her mom's side, it was always quiet. They never talked about it. And she knew that your mom knew and your mom, but it was never talked about. It was never addressed. And she held a lot of, you know, anger, resentment, rightfully so. So I, we worked with her and we did, you know, at first understanding and then visualization using sentences to, to really come at peace with it, right? Everything that we talked about so, so far, we integrated these elements and she did this inner work, right? And she felt more at peace afterwards and she felt like she was able to, to really honor her mom more and, and, and to let go and to just accept her and take her out the way she is and, she texted me a week after saying, you won't believe it. My mom called me out of nowhere. And really out of nowhere, something for over 30 years, it wasn't addressed. Oh. And just out of nowhere, she brought it up. She apologized and, and they cried together. And it's like, you know, 30 years. And it came from the mother. So just to show us how much we're connected and how much our souls are connected. So when I elevate my consciousness, all the souls that are connected to my soul, it gives them an opening. They still have the free will, but there's an opening created for those souls that are linked to the root of my soul. 
it creates an opening for them to also rise up and their consciousness to be elevated. So we're and, and vice versa, like vice versa, like we're all connected. If somebody that I'm really close with or whatever makes creates an opening, we don't even know, right? We don't even know. Sometimes we don't know. We might feel like really good on one day. We don't know if exactly. Well, I'm just thinking about the power of our consciousness and our thoughts and even like meditating for somebody and sending them light and energy. And we don't even know what kind of openings we might be able to create for them just in that moment to have something different, you know, not to react in, in the same way. Right? Yeah, we have no idea. And it's really, really inspiring. Yeah. Because like in theta healing, for example, we have a way where you can just go up into a theta or go into a theta brainwave state. And from there, you can send, you know, unconditional love to people or... You can, if you know someone's having a hard time, you can just surround them in a bubble of light. Or if they're going through a healing situation or, you know, they're not feeling well, you can, it's just a great reminder, listening to what you said about, about that woman and her mother. It's like, we are all connected and our thoughts and energies do make a difference. And yeah. just to that note, what we said about when souls cross over. So after I had my session with you, I didn't tell you this, but like two days, mm -hmm. I think it was that night or the night after I hadn't had a dream with my dad in a long time, but he actually came into my dream and gave me a hug. Yeah. Wow. I usually don't so share special. dreams either, but just for the power of getting whatever is this energy that wants to come out right now. Do you have any advice or um, wisdom that you can share about how to how to approach situations? Sometimes <coughs> the way that we approach a situation makes all the difference the consciousness we have going into it. So do you have any any ideas or thoughts on that if we're going to reconnect with family members in the next couple months? Yeah. So for those who live in the States, the approach and the approach for me means how do I prepare myself for that? Because when we're already sitting at the dinner table and then the buttons are being pushed or the same repetitive pattern come up and I haven't prepared myself or give it some thought, very likely that, that I will be triggered in the same way and I will think the same way and act the same way. So if we, if we want to be more mindful, considerate of that, or we care about that enough, then we can prepare ourselves in small ways. And the preparation is really, is really nothing major. I'm a big believer because I've seen the results of it in my life and other people's life in, of visualization. So you can do even a simple thing as like do it the night before uh, or a week before, whenever, uh, a little visualization, seeing yourself sitting at the dinner table and play with, with certain scenarios, right? Maybe see how everything works so smoothly and see everyone surrounded with light and, and, and really hold space with love for that vision. Or maybe you want to play with and, and actually see and walk through the challenging scenarios that very likely might come up, right? That you're Mother-in-law will say something that you know she usually always says. And, and now see yourself feeling different about whole, like still be able to, to have a space for her in your heart and, and, and feel differently about it, right? So it's all about conditioning and preparation. If you prepare yourself in this way, and I would say what I said before and with family, the two most important things in order that everybody will feel more at peace and more at love and accepting is to honor everybody, to know that there's a reason why they're in your life and the creator introduced those people into your life so they have a place and to honor their place. I mean, you have to agree with everything. I, I mean, hopefully with your family, you like them, but it doesn't mean you actually even have to like 
people, right? It just right. means allowing them to be who they are and to exactly. know that they have the creator inside of them and they have, they have a right to be who they are. Yeah, and, and to really just accept them, like you said, to accept them just the way they are. I know it's a big word and sometimes a lifetime of work, but even just having the desire to want to accept them the way they are and working in prior to the family get-together, I am sure that by the time you actually get together and you did some of that work, you will have a different experience. That's beautiful. And by the way, anybody can, you can sign up and do a session with Daniel if you want to tap in a little bit deeper or maybe bring a situation and do a little bit of healing work beforehand and just start to see. But yeah, it's, it's really powerful. I realize, I know that like there are people in my life or situations that happened that I don't necessarily agree with, with what happened. I don't necessarily think everything was, you know, peaches and cream the way it was dished out to me. However, I realized that I don't see the bigger picture. And I also realize that I can make peace with the situation and make peace with the individuals as they are and make my own peace, like the power of making my own peace without having to change other people. Correct. And another, I just come to my mind now, just another little tip is to, we call it putting yourself in their shoes, right? But sometimes it helps just to contemplate, to remind ourselves what the other people went through. It, it, it's an exercise that helps build the muscle of compassion. Okay. Meaning if I know, because what we're confronted with oftentimes is just, we just see the moment we see the other person's frustration or the other person's silly comments or their judgment or the ignorance, right? But a good question to ask, because questions is also a very powerful tool, and a good question to ask is, what must have happened in that person's life for them to act that way? Right. right? Because I'm a big believer that we all do our best with what was given to us. And if I would be given their story in their movie, I would probably act exactly the same way. So just exploring that route, asking those questions and, and thinking about a little bit about their background, what did they go through and to understand why they're acting up that way just helps us in building a little bit more compassion. It will help us to, to be in a different zone when, when, when we're with them. Wow. I've practiced that exercise before. I'm like, you know, I wanted to go one direction, a usual direction that I would go maybe to judge or feel a certain way about a situation or a person. And then I stopped myself and I started just saying, repeating and thinking about ways, but you know what, they've been through a lot. You know what they've got, they, they had this happen. You know what they did. So just to build like an energy in myself of like a different pathway of like, there's another way to approach this individual in this situation. Yeah. Yeah. We have some, a question about dating. Dating. <laughs> a lot can be said more than uh, three or uh, three minutes that we have now. But I think what comes to our mind is you attract the people based on the level that you have reached, mm -hmm. right? So yes, there's actions that we need to take and maybe go to certain places or be introduced to certain people. But at the end of the day, I'm going to attract the people based on the, the lessons that I need to learn, right? So going back to Tikkun, the lessons that I need to learn, right? So I don't get to really pick and choose. We think we have a lot of control here or free will and because i chose to date this it was chosen for you you were put together by a higher force and right. you want to start to attract different people then it's yeah there's an external factor but most of 99 of the work is done internally so this is a good question to ask what do i need to change about myself or what does it 
I need to shift inside of me energetically, consciousness-wise, about my, my view, my perspective, so that I will start to attract this type of people, right. right? Because if I attract people that I don't like, it's because I still need to learn a certain lesson. Maybe I'm too needy. So I'll attract people, right, that, that, that will always leave me, that will always abandon me because I'm needy for that. So maybe the lesson to learn is like, okay, let, let it come to me. So lesson of letting go, of patience, of trusting, right? So that's something that I need to shift inside of me, my vibration, and that will send off a signal that will attract people that will chase after me. Wow. So I don't need to chase others, right? So it's one, uh, one idea. <laughs> if you wanted to do a session with Daniel, you can check out in the, in the link in your bio, right? Instagram, it's at Daniel Naor72. He's also going to be linked below. And in the flyer that I posted on my profile, definitely recommend the session. Like I said, I had one. It was really powerful. It was so powerful to see things from that wider perspective and to include other people and to create this more feeling of connection and continuity and to experience that within myself. So Daniel, did you want to share anything else? No, just thank you so much. Really honored to, to have this talk. I had a lot of fun. I think it, it, was, it was a nice flow here. So thank you for that. Me too. I so appreciate it. Thank you so much. I truly hope that this episode nourished your spirit and or opened you to a deeper level of connection or a higher perspective. Please subscribe, share it with your friends and family, and leave me a review. I appreciate your support. You can also take a screenshot and tag me on Instagram and I'll add it to my story. Until next time, be well, take care. Lots of love, magic, joy, opportunities, and blessing always. Bye-bye. Cosmic Chats with Debbie Sugarbaker is a production of Yali Christina Podcast Services.